Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brockness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hops with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only third seed in the Western Conference playoffs, holder of a 2-0 series lead on the reigning NBA champions, Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, it could not be going better. I thought at some point during our lifetime of recording this podcast would have a playoff team to talk about. I did not know we'd have a 2-0 series lead over the Golden State Warriors in their first playoff appearance in 16 years team to talk about, but here we are. Here we are indeed. He's a, uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as, a, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How's it going? It is an absolute pleasure to be with you guys today. <laughs> what a wonderful time. It just, uh, honestly, that's just one of those things that I wasn't sure I, in my lifetime I was going to see anything like this again. So, uh, especially, especially, uh, uh, tremendous for me. So uh, y- you've heard us all right, folks, if you're listening in today. Uh, the Kings are up 2-0 on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> no, there hasn't been any egregious injury problems. No, there's no suspensions, though more on that uh, discussion later. And no, you aren't in a coma. The Warriors came into Sacramento on Saturday night, and they left Monday night uh, going over in Sacktown. So I guess, Tony, Jerry, I guess I, where I want to start is, how surprised are you that the Kings held their own against the Warriors squad that well, maybe not a good traditional road team, are the defending champions in the NBA. How, how surprised are you that the Kings were able to go 2-0 to start this off? Well, I, I'm a little bit surprised. I can't say I'm uh, tremendously because I thought, uh, you know, the Kings did win more games and were better, uh, in, and the Warriors were not a good road team uh, all year. Uh, and the Warriors were coming in with uh, some key guys just kind of finding their games, although I – I think Wiggins and 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 Peyton both played better than I thought they would. Uh, you know, if I'd known that, I wouldn't have been near as confident. But uh, you know, I I really felt that the, you know the Kings had a good chance to win the first two, and uh, and then we'll see going forward. Yeah, if the Kings weren't the Kings and they were, you know, just another team that didn't have this legacy of losing on their back, I would say I'm not really surprised at all because the Kings were the better regular season team the the whole way through. But when you look at, you know, 
who the Kings are, their lack of experience. And then I think we'll talk more about it, but how they've won these games, I find way more surprising than them actually winning uh, both games at home. The series isn't over yet. There's a, there's a lot of games to play. Um, but how the Kings won these two games, and I know we'll talk about it, are is definitely surprising to me because they did not go how I thought they would for a 2-0 series lead. Tony, go ahead and talk about that. Let me know how how do you feel like it, it's a, what surprised you about uh, the way the Kings have won these uh, these first two games of the series. I, I think for stretches, their defense has been better than their offense, which I I could not have predicted. Uh, that hasn't been you know that that hasn't it hasn't been that way through both games completely. But their defense last night was tremendous, and then offensively. They've really struggled um, to shoot the ball from three, which they've been pretty good at all year. Their their best shooters in the starting lineup, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Keegan Murray, are shooting horribly. I think uh, Barnes and Herter are shooting fourteen percent from three in the playoffs, and Keegan Murray hasn't hit a three all playoffs, so he's shooting zero percent. So the way they've been able to to beat this team really on defense with massive contributions from the bench, while their offense and their starting lineup that has been so good all year has really kind of struggled. Um, has definitely been a, su- a surprise to me. I thought if they were going to beat the Warriors, they were going to run them off the floor. Their offense was going to be firing on all cylinders and they would be high scoring games. The Kings have scored plenty of points, but they've held the Warriors in check a lot better than I kind of thought they would. Jerry, has that surprised you at all that the Kings uh, offense at times has struggled where their defense has suddenly stepped up? Yes, it has. Although, you know, if I'd have known the game would be called like it has, and and, and I'm happy with it, by the way, uh, it, it it's physical out there. They're really yeah. allowing some physical play and hands on uh, dribblers a little bit. You know, it really is a, a kind of a flashback to the nineties for me. And I, and I love it. I mean, the baskets are earned. There's a, there's nothing, uh, nothing easy. So yeah, I, I think that's the biggest surprise. I think a lot of those shots, certainly teams uh, can shoot better and they will, but a lot of it uh, is like with Steph Curry, uh, He's got the the little off night uh, up in his hind end, and and uh, the, which that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I I thought going into this thing we'd see Davion Mitchell playing a lot more, uh, and I didn't know whose minutes he'd take, but I knew he's going to take somebody's. And uh, so the physicalness of it is uh, the surprise. I think, like I say, both teams just really have to, has to earn their baskets not near as many uh, easy ones in transition. Tony, are you surprised by the way the refs are, are calling it in the first round right now? I guess so. I mean, it's, they're definitely letting a lot go, um, but I don't think it's been uneven on either team either, which is kind of nice. Like, I I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there are Warriors fans that are complaining about the Draymond Green um, <laughs> uh, flagrant two, so they might have some nits to pick. For, but from the Kings side, I think it's in a pretty evenly called series. And yeah, very physical um, I worry about injuries in the playoffs in general. If you look around the league, there are there have been several injuries already, I think in some part due to the physicality that the, that the playoffs have had, which is a, a fun, interesting new type of basketball to watch than I guess we were used to in the regular season. So um, it's, it's definitely been a factor. And the Kings are not shying away from it, which is also great to see because they are a physical team with Sabonis, at least in the paint. But uh, that is an area where you think that the Warriors might have been able to take advantage of the Kings a little bit with uh, Looney and Draymond Green and their experience, but the Kings are hanging tough in there and, and not not backing down at all. Yeah, you know, one thing, too, I'd say about the fishing, I thought the first game was brilliantly officiated. You know, I, I mean, I know I read a lot of comments that, you know, you know, everybody thinks they're getting screwed all the time. That's ridiculous. So, <laughs> you know, uh, 
that, that was a tremendously fair game. You know, it, it, both teams got the same whistle and, uh, and the team, uh, the Kings deserved to win. And now the second, I thought there's a little more questionable, uh, so a few more misses. I don't think it necessarily was lopsided by any stretch. Uh, and then a second thing I just love, of course, I, I watched the game from home and the broadcast were terrific. Uh, I just love Jim Jackson. I, I think he's the best. And maybe I'm biased because I know him and everything, but, you know, he, he gets it. You know, he really uh, gives you good information without taking away from the game. Uh, Ian Eagle is just a real pros pro. Uh, you know, uh, he's a young, younger Mike Tirico. You can put him in anything and he's terrific and good guy. So, yeah, that uh, I mean, and certainly Mark Jones and, and uh, Doris Burke were good uh, as well. And I thought Mark, to his credit, was was really good because he didn't get into all of his cringy stuff and uh, really focused on the game more. Uh, and of course, Doris is very good. But yeah, I just I thought I thought everything. The basketball was great. The competitive spirit was great. Of course, the fan experience. My God, it, it, I've never seen like it. But the but the games uh, measured up, and I think the officiating measured up, and I think the broadcast teams measured up. Well, I, I can't speak to the the broadcast because I was there for both games, so both Saturday night and Monday night. But I can tell you, Jerry, whatever you guys were hearing on TV wasn't nearly as good as what it was mm -hmm. in real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had I had earplugs in for most of the game, and I could still feel my feel my eardrum shaking the whole time. I mean, my, my, I don't know if you can hear it now, but there's some rasp in my voice and I've tried not to talk all day. I mean, I, I mean, every single time a, a, a big play comes down the stretch uh, that Davion Mitchell three in the second game, uh, there was a Domas dunk in the, in the first game that put us up five with a minute and a half to go. Uh, you could physically feel the screams and, and, and pure joy from Sacramento fans vibrate through you. You could feel the the second deck where I was shaking up there at the golden one center and as steep as those stairs are i wasn't scared for a second i was i was ready to bring the whole house down if i needed to <laughs> and, I, and i had to die to happy man on both of those occasions so i'm glad that the broadcast uh lived up to what it was like uh being there in person well and you know I, the thing i liked they, they showed you know all the outside atmosphere which Sounds i mean good. we've seen we've seen in the past you know milwaukee and toronto's did a great job of their fans outside and throngs of thousands and i think uh, really uh, credit to the king's franchise they were prepared for that and really just outdid anything that i've seen in the nba and uh you know of course you had time to prepare i will say that you know you got 16 years to get ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the other thing about that jerry is that uh if i recall correctly like uh, uh in toronto and with the bucks that was more of a finals thing, right? Uh, was it all playoffs long or was it more of a finals thing? You know, I think it, I think uh, I can't speak to the bucks, but I'm pretty sure the Toronto thing was, was all the way through. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. think they've, they've always had a kind of a sellout building just with season ticket holders. So I, I hmm. think that was a, anyway, I, I would, I'm not positive, but I, I know as years have went on, then we've seen it uh, with Milwaukee for I think for most most of it anyway, but sure. yeah, but anyway, the Kings beat them all. I know that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, we we've seen Alex Lynn get get minutes in both of these games. We've seen Davion get nearly 
30 minutes in the second game. Uh, we've seen Andrew Wiggins guard Fox primarily for a while. Are there any uh, surprising matchups or strategies from either Steve Kerr or Mike Brown that you guys uh, wanted to point out, something that you found interesting, wrinkles that you didn't necessarily see in the regular season that you now see in the first two games of the playoffs? Well, a couple things uh, struck me. Of course, uh, the Alex Lynn uh, getting to play more in that first game, but then he should have because Domas wasn't playing well at all. Yeah, and, and I think that's a real credit to Coach Brown. I mean, that's what he does. Uh, and I know it surprised a lot of people with uh, Davion. It didn't surprise me because if you want to actually have a chance at Garden Curry, you better have somebody that can get into him. And, and I think uh, Fox did a nice job on him. Uh, I was uh, uh, kind of having discussion with a former writer, and, and they were talking about, you know, Curry and Fox. And I said, well, I'm not, I'll never take away from Curry's greatness because he's one of the all-time greats. But Fox can guard him easier than he can guard Fox. And, yeah. that's, a, and that's a damn fact. So, yeah. uh, you know, make of it what you want. Uh, the other thing, I thought the, the Warriors did a great job of taking away the, the dribble handoffs. Uh, you know, that's such a, been a key part for Sabonis. And and then I uh, guess what last thing I thought I'm boring y'all, but I was no. uh, we were talking the other day. I was on a, another podcast and you're talking about well, Savonis really didn't get very many assists. And I said, well, no, because he usually throws the ball to guys who make threes, and <laughs> yeah. it's very it's it's very difficult to get assists when guys don't make shots. And that I said his. <laughs> He, you know, that, that's the only real difference. Those assists will go up once shots go in. Uh, so, but yeah, the, uh, you know, I, I just think the overall, uh, both teams are really trying to put more pressure on the ball. And I say, I, the, I guess the last couple of things or one thing that surprised the heck out of me, uh, how good Mitt or Andrew Wiggins was uh, yeah. con considering. Yeah. I, I just wasn't anticipating that and, uh, you know, so he's going to get better. And that that's, you know, that's a little bit of a, a scare going forward. Yes. Tony, what about you? There's a million different directions we could go here. I almost like we could spend an hour or I would want to spend an hour just talking about Davion Mitchell and how much I love what he has done in the playoffs. And really it, it makes me kind of reassess everything about Davion Mitchell's time in Sacramento and just how, how appreciative I am that that guy came here probably not in the role he envisioned himself as a pro off the bench, not getting a ton of minutes in every regular season game. We've had young players, I'll name one Marvin Bagley, like complaining about roles that he thought he should have had and didn't have. Then you got a guy like Davion who comes in here and really doesn't complain at all, works super hard, and then has this moment in these two playoff games where uh, man, he's been so important to everything they've done well and off and on offense carrying himself better than we've seen in the regular season too. But his defense has been incredible. And I'll just use that as a jumping off point to shout out the entire bench unit because Malik Monk saved the Kings in both of these games when the offense was struggling to start. When he, he checked in, the whole game changed in game one and game two. The Kings bench, I looked this up, they're averaging 45 points per game in the playoffs. It's the best scoring bench in the playoffs so far among any team. The sample size is small there, but this bench unit is really coming through where some of those starters are struggling. And it's been an, an awesome thing to see and major credit to Monty McNair because that's his bench unit entirely. It's Trey Lyles, who he got in the Marvin Bagley trade. It's Davion Mitchell, who he drafted. And it's Malik Monk, who he 
signed after letting go Dante DiVincenzo, who's playing much worse for the Warriors. So uh, just a great move. Great moves there all the way around by Monty McNair, and that bench is really coming through. Yeah, I, I'd like to, on that too, on the bench, you know, I thought going into the uh, playoffs, you know, it may change, of course, that the Warriors might have the best bench. I thought with Kaminga and uh, Dante and 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 uh, Poole and Gary, Gary Payton, Payton, Gary Payton, you know, I thought they would be better than the Kings bench, and they haven't. And, of course, my other thought was, and I said, I, I think the key for the Kings is Monk to win. Monk's got to average 18 points a game off the bench, which uh, people – I remember telling that to him, well, that's ridiculous. He can't do that. I said, I don't know if he can, but he has to. And uh, so far, so far, I mean, uh, you know, he's doing more than that, but, but, you know, we've seen it all year. We know he's capable. And, and, and as uh, Tony pointed out, I mean, Trey Lyles was huge. The first game didn't do much. The second, but uh, you know, this team has been picking each other up all year. Uh, You know, Herdick first game didn't make a shot. The Keegan Murray still bless his heart. He's he's got the walkabouts, uh, you know, and uh, you know just got to hang with him. I mean, they're they're limiting his minutes. That's what you do, uh, you know. The guy, I think he's trying hard. It's just a, yeah. it's a it's an experience he ain't quite ready for, and and that's great too. And to Tony's point about Davian, of course, I've loved him all along. I mean, I I don't think it's a coincidence that he was the most valuable player on a NCAA champion. I mean, yep. he's a guy that impacts the damn game when you give him, and the more he plays, the better he plays. I mean, he is, he is just another version of Bobby Jackson, only probably further along in his career. Yeah. yeah Davion averaging 18 minutes a game in the regular season with 5.6 points came in game two, played fantastic defense on, on Steph Curry was, was jumping into passing lanes and everything else. Wound up playing 28 minutes, 17 seconds, scored 14 points, five and 10 from the field. And some of those shots were big shots, you know, run stoppers or, I mean, the big three at the end to to lock it up will be the one everyone remembers. But he's had a couple of those where uh, they started to get on a little bit of a run and Davion would come and pull up for a little 16 footer and, and stop that run a little bit. So I think you guys are right on that. Well, you know, he, he's a, uh, I mean, one last, I mean, to me, he, he and Sabonis, I mean, they're dogs. I mean, they're just, yeah. <laughs> they are pit bulls. They don't, they play every play all out all the time. I, I don't think I've ever seen two players with the Kings that consistently puts, I mean, puts out that kind of effort every play, but they do. They do. If you can find them uh, dogging it or or being late, you know, just mark it down. Cause I don't think you can find it. And I, and I can assure you over the years, I, I can spot it with a few others over the years. There, there was a moment, Jerry, in game two that I wish I, – I, I hope it came through on the broadcast. But there was a moment where um, the Warriors had possession. Uh, Steph Curry came out, and it was Curry, and it was, and it was Davion Mitchell. And there was this moment where Curry was starting to dribble, and Davion kind of scooted up into him. And we all kind of knew this was, this was a moment. You know, there was there was the best offensive player on the floor and the best defensive player on the floor, and we were going to watch these two go at it. And it lasted about six seconds, and the entire building went nuts. And then Curry couldn't get anything going, and and everybody started going crazy. He was trying to dribble. He was trying to find a shot open. I think he passed it to Jordan Poole, who like dribbled it out of bounds. Or Kings got the possession, anyways. Davion won't get won't get a single stat out of that. But it was one of those things that the whole stand started rocking. 
because for about 10 seconds, Steph Curry was in absolute basketball hell, uh, courtesy of Davion Mitchell. And I don't know if you guys saw that on the broadcast. It was one of those things that those little tiny possessions where no stats going to be recorded for that. But Davion Mitchell scared the hell out of Steph Curry. And it was a wonderful thing to watch. It was one of those transcendent moments for the Kings for me in these first two games. Well, I mean, he, he I mean, he does. I mean, he affects the game and, and he always has. And I, I will stand with what I've always believed about him. The more he plays, the better he plays. And, and I understand that he can't get 35 minutes a night, but someday he will. Yeah, and, and he'll be your next Kyle Lowry at some point. Sure. So uh, so talk to me a little bit about some of the guys that have struggled then. Uh, Sabonis struggled, obviously, in game one. Uh, we've seen Barnes struggle at times, though he's been very active on the boards. He, Barnes has done enough for me that I, I didn't want to put him in this category, even if he didn't have big scoring outputs. Uh, Keegan and Herter especially struggling at times. Talk to me about what's uh, what's keeping these guys from going off and how to help them get open shots or get them get those balls going into the actual net and not just rimming out at the end of the day. Well, there's a couple things I think with Kevin. I mean, the dribble handoffs haven't been have been defended better, and so that that's a pretty good part of his game. I, I would say one thing I think that Domas could do there is they're laying off him so much, even if he doesn't want to shoot it. Uh, well, uh, Herder should take advantage of that and go ahead and just set your screens lower, get easier shots. Uh, go ahead and do that, and uh, then as far as Domas, I think uh, he, he he did take a little perimeter shot finally made, but he needs to, they're going to give him 15 footers. He's got to take those because he's a 74% free throw shooter. It's the same shot. And uh, uh, so I think he needs to do that. And then the last thing I'd say about Domas, I, I mean, when he gets it in low uh, against the Warriors, they're doing a great job on him. I mean, he gets in there and, and then gets about two extra fakes that he doesn't need. And that gives the second defender a chance to get down on him. And uh, you saw that in that first game. I thought he he was much more effective the second game, you know, just trying to do something quicker uh, before the second defender uh, gets there because uh, Domas isn't going to jump over everybody. Uh, but uh, – and, and Keegan, you know, Keegan right now, bless his heart, is just a lost soul. I mean, you know, I mean, this is uh, – you know, I mean, this is like when you're in the seventh grade and you're playing against ninth graders all of a sudden. And he, you know, I have no doubt he'll adjust. But this is a this is adjustment time. This is a growth time, and I just love the fact that uh, Coach Brown's hanging with him a while. And before this series is over, I think he'll have a a breakout game. But you know, this is a you know, there's the only way to learn is go through something that you don't really understand. Tony, how have you felt about some of the guys that have struggled of late? Yeah, I, I can't do, I can't add much more to that, Jerry. I thought nailed it. The the thing I thought was interesting with Sabonis is how, like, we've seen teams play off him in the regular season, but I think the Warriors played off him to a degree that I haven't seen all year and consistently too, almost to the point of, um, it's like embarrassing how much space they're giving him. And I think that got in Sabonis's head a little bit at the beginning of game one, because he was taking mm -hmm. those jumpers. They didn't go in. And then from that point on, you could see him sort of questioning his decision-making when he was given that much space. So I, I guess a, a good call by the Warriors to, to give that to him. But Sabonis plays so hard that eventually he's going to find a way to, to make some positive contributions like we saw in game two, where I still think the, you know, they played off him in game two and the decision-making still wasn't as good as we've seen Sabonis uh, perform, 
but he, he played so hard that you just the, the sheer energy of him resulted in a much more effective game and obviously he's rebounding the ball really well so i'm not too concerned about sabonis i think the the more the warriors play off him the more mike brown and and sabonis and the rest of the starting lineup around him will figure out how to get him in better spots and get guys around him better looks because uh i think that did throw him off at the beginning of game one you notice it right from the jump that they were just disrespecting his jump shot so much <laughs> that it, to a degree that i hadn't seen all year as far as keegan goes it's nice that the Kings, he's a rookie. So the Kings have the ability to bench him when they need to, and there's no hard feelings and it's not awkward and it's not weird at all. Whereas if he was a veteran player and struggling, you might get some weird vibes out of benching a player like that, but they've got guys on the bench who are playing so well that if he doesn't have it, just don't play him. And it's, it's really that simple. Well, you know, too, against the Warriors, the thing, because you can play three guards easy yes. mm-hmm. and, and that's, so it, that's, it's just a, a good matchup that way. And that, of course, Coach Brown, smart to do it. I thought the uh, one last thing on the Sabonis thing on that second game, you know, at the end of it, he gets 24 points. And I was thinking, how did he do that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, my God, it's just, it's just whamming and bamming and taking balls from somebody. It's like, you know, 12 shots, 24 points, you know, and it's like, wow. I mean, you know, sometimes we don't appreciate that, you know, and even that first game when I thought he was just terrible offensively. But, you know, he got 16 rebounds. And, I mean, he, he got a bunch of manly big boy rebounds. Yeah. Big boy yeah. rebounds. <laughs> you know, offensive rebounds that really kept things alive. And, 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 you know, so that's what good, you know, that's what really special players do. Find a way to help you win when things aren't on their way. It, you know, kind of like Fox in the second game. He wasn't great, but – he was near great when it counted. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, every single one of those shots that Sabonis got in the second game would send you or me to the ER. Oh, I feel yeah. like every single one, not a single one of them was wide open. It was just an elbow to the shoulder, a, a hand in the eye. Like somebody was hitting him in the thigh as absolutely hard as they could. And he was an efficient 66%. <laughs> yeah, you know what part of the thing with him, and I've said many times, uh, I mean, he takes so much punishment, but boy, he gives it out too. And yeah. I mean, you, I, I guarantee you that everybody in the league, you know, maybe with the exception of Steven Adams is thinking, I don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so uh, in regards to the poor shooting of these first two games from the Kings, um, do you guys feel like this is just a scheme thing where the Kings are going to have to go through it all season? The Warriors are just playing defense in a way that, that keeps the Kings from getting, I mean, they've had a lot of wide open looks, but like from making these things, or is this, are we, should we expect a progression to the mean? In the sense that like one of these games, the Kings are going to kind of come back to who they are as a team and just shoot the hell out of the ball and and and, and put the Warriors in a position to uh, to lose something. Because I, I, I'm curious as to whether you think it's a, a scheme thing or just the Kings are getting unlucky in terms of the shots that they're shooting and missing. Well, I, I think they're, they're going to start shooting better. I mean, I, I do. I, I mean, I think the, Defense is better on both teams. You know, the physicality of it may, has made things a little tougher to move the ball. But uh, good shooters are good shooters. We said, you know, uh, a 50% shooter isn't going to hit five out of 10 every day. Some nights it'll be one out of 10 and some nights it'll be eight out of 10 or not. <laughs> so uh, that so I, I really think that'll happen. And I, the other side of it is it'll happen with the Warriors, too. They're they're gonna they're gonna scheme. They're gonna figure out you got to give Curry a lot more screens against off night. You know that he can't just uh, create like he can against everybody else. 
And so, uh, I mean, they're, these are smart coaches. Uh, you know, and, and that will be the key who wins. I think, I mean, I think the Kings got the best chance, but to win it all, but who, you know, there's going to be a game in game adjustments in game adjustments are, are is really going to make the difference. Yeah. The, the, and this might not even be a real point, but me not being a basketball player considers this as a, as a real thing, but Harrison Barnes mentioned, um, in the layup lines during game one, he was getting chills because of how loud the crowd is. So I do think there is a certain element of just getting comfortable in this crazy environment. I can't imagine trying to like the game's physical uh, players are flopping all around. The ball is getting turned over, especially in game two, the turnovers in the first quarter, the game was so chaotic. It was a crazy opening to the game that I just would imagine for shooters. It's such a rhythm thing that going into an environment like that for the first time for a lot of these Kings players, they're getting chills in the uh, in the layup line because of how crazy the crowd is and how loud things are. I, I have to imagine that it will have some impact on your shooting. And to Jerry's point, the Warriors aren't shooting well in Golden One Center either, maybe in large part to the environment being crazy. They're only shooting 32% from three, and they're, uh, I think, 39% I wrote down for their three-point shooting percentage on the regular season. So they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, and they've struggled through the first two games. So they there is some getting used to the playoff environment that I think uh, the Kings definitely have to adjust to. So, uh, so we haven't really talked about him enough, but uh, I want to I want to move on now to uh, to De'Aaron Fox, who in his very first game in the playoffs scored thirty eight points, which is second in NBA history in terms of the highest scoring behind Luka Doncic, I think, who scored forty three in his very first ever NBA game. Um, guys, talk to me about De'Aaron Fox and the way he's been able to. Uh, to lead this team in these first two games well you know i mean i think a lot of people around the country hadn't seen De'Aaron fox i mean really watched and appreciated him and uh uh i mean i think it opened eyes what few eyes were still closed that got opened up because uh you know he's certainly an elite player now and his ability to get good shots against good defense uh there's not many players in the league are any better you know, I mean, he's at top of about any list you want to put there. And now we're seeing a better defender to go with it. I mean, uh, the, the, I guess, and you know, just from a selfish point of view or what I would say about him, he had a year this year, I think, better than any guard in Sacramento Kings history. And that includes Mitch. And and I, I'm not saying that lutely or, or, or loosely. I mean, I've thought about that. I, I just think when you look at his clutch production uh i mean it stands alone uh you know he's basically become a more of a leader and uh just uh just a really class young man i i just think the way he conducts himself you know there's no flash and dash showing off every after every which I, as much as i love curry he's gotten way to the extreme of that where he's got to make some sort of a, a deal every time he makes a hoop you know and I think it's gotten a little silly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, but, but anyway, yeah, Fox, I'll tell you what, Kings fans, uh, you know, have got a lot of good years ahead with that young guy. If he can just stay healthy. Yeah, I think you're right, Jerry, in the sense that like, there are a lot of corny players in this league, especially superstars, uh, Steph forcing certain, you know, turning around before the shot gets made is fine. But like when you start throwing in like a, putting your hands over your head, like you're going to sleep and like the, like so many players force that stuff. And it's kind of corny. Uh, Fox is one of the few people that I can think of that just 
hit big shots and then shake their head, kind of like, yeah, but I'm paid to do this. I'm supposed to. Yeah, the Kings, the the Kings, I'm gonna say the Kings are the best team in the league about that. The yeah. very best. Yeah. You know, they they really just go out and play. I, I really yeah. credit them and the coach, certainly, but uh all the extracurricular bullshit, you know, yeah. which is which is really you know, like I say, and I love Curry and he's hard, but he's really gone overboard. I, I I got mad at him when he was injured and he was trying to be cheerleader at home. I said, no, no player needs to run up down the floor when they're not playing. And that's, that's no, that's, that's uh Bush league. You know, there was a, there was a moment uh, where Fox had shot a free throw. I think it was in the first game and somebody got him, the camera got him um, looking over at one of the Warriors players and saying, I- I'm doing what I came here to do. And that's the only thing he said about it. Like he wasn't, Malik Monk's the only guy on the Kings I can think of. When he hits a big three, he kind of skips. He, he does a little yeah, skip. Yeah, yeah. But that was the only person, I, as you were talking about that, Jerry, I was sitting there thinking, have I seen a single player? It's not going to be Keegan Murray. Sabonis no. flexes every once in a while. It's not going to be Harrison Barnes. He'll flex every once in a while. Malik is the only one that'll skip a little bit and throw a little three up. And that's the only person on that entire team. And that's perfect for Malik. He's the guy that should be doing that. Steph Curry, you're a Hall of Fame player. You really don't need to do yeah, that. We, kind of, yeah, um, we're aware. We get it. Great, yeah, yeah, we're aware yeah. of your all-time greatness. You know, yes. We're aware. Tony, uh, so I saw uh, a stat come across my timeline today that said uh, the most points in the first two games of uh, postseason in Sacramento Kings history. Um, it's uh, Darren Fox's second with 62, um, sandwiched in between uh, Oscar Robertson, in 63 and 1967 with 70 points. Um, how do you feel like he's done in these first couple of games? Here's the crazy thing about the, what the Kings are doing. And if you've watched Fox all year, I think he can play even better than he is right now, at least on offense, especially at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of games, I've noticed he's kind of let other players on the offense kind of run the show a little bit. Um, so he can be more aggressive to start games. He's also taking nine threes a game in the playoffs so far, which is way above his season average. So there are, if I'm nitpicking or if I'm just giving the Kings an even higher ceiling than I think they have right now, I think Fox can be better than he has been offensively. I will say on defense, I think he's been very good. And to to both of you guys' points about how he is as a professional, I watched his post-game pre- press conference after game one, and he talked about his defense. And it was just a, it was a, he had a great quote. I'm going to, kind of butcher it and paraphrase but he was talking about his defense and he acknowledged and it was so it, it took me off guard because when does a great nba player talk about the things they aren't great at but he was like i know i kind of kind of am hot and cold on defense i'm not locked in all the time but i'm really trying to prove to myself that i can be a player who is good on defense the entire game because the reporter asked him something about his defense and i was like man when has it the last time you heard an all-star level nba player talk about how he needs to get better on defense. It was just a very refreshing quote that he had. And I know I'm, I'm kind of butchering how he said it, but I, it made me feel even better about just where this player is going as a leader of the Kings, that this guy who just won clutch player of the year, by the way, he's a first time all-star. His team is the third best team in the Western conference is still out here um, kind of being candid enough for the zone shortcomings as a player and areas he needs to improve on in on a huge stage like this. And he's actually also doing it. Like he's playing much better defense now than I think I've ever seen him play. So uh, I'm super happy with Fox and and so much of what he's done. And I think he can be even better, which is making me very excited for this playoff run. Cause I don't know where it's going to end. So, so before we move on to expectations of the next couple of games, uh, do you guys have any observations? I, I know we've talked about Steph Curry a little bit, 
any observations in terms of uh, the rest of the supporting cast for the Golden State Warriors play? Uh, we're going to get to Draymond as well, but uh, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, who seems to be unplayable, and that's the only comment I have on Jordan Poole. Uh, you guys have any observations about the Warriors and how they've played so far? Well, you know, my my thought is, I mean, to me, if if I just to sum up who I think the Warriors are, and, and I'm not saying they won't win the series, I, I don't know. It looks like the you know the Kings are the better team right now. But but what here's what I say: the Warriors obviously are a dynasty. They're a championship caliber team that is clearly on the slide. Uh, you know they are clearly on the way down. The Kings are a young team on the rise. You, you know, so, you know, at some point uh, the Warriors are going to have to redo their team. Uh, they might have two more really good years in them. And I think that might be a stretch where I just, just, I'm giddy thinking in terms of we're seeing another eight, seven, eight year run, you know, another uh, Rick Adelman kind of thing with coach Brown. And I, I and I believe that, you know, will they, get to being 60 win teams I, I don't know but but I guess in, in just my own feeling is one team is, has been great but it's not great anymore and it's probably slid a little bit and this young Kings team is is not only better than we thought but they're they're they got a chance to be better going forward Jerry, you you mentioned uh, this maybe eight year run with Mike Brown, and uh, I heard this the other day, and it I nearly slammed my brakes driving down I five. Um, Mike Brown now holds the uh, second place for most uh, victories in the playoffs for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, well, that tells you <laughs> tells you everything you need to know. Uh, you know, I've I've always said, I mean, uh, with a, a coach, and he's a terrific coach, and. Uh, you know, one thing you can do is utilize the talent you have, which he has significant talent, and motivate him. And my gosh, he's just done a marvelous job. Uh, you know, he's done it different than Rick Allen. Rick did the same thing. Rick Rick was a different personality. Certainly wasn't as cuddly uh, and nice, but uh, but he but he was great with his players. You know, as far as motivating them and and putting them in spots to succeed and taking the talents they had and getting the most out of them. Because, you know, you can't get a lot of talent out of guys with no talent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and uh, But but he's he's done that. And, and, of course, Monty McNair, I mean, he's, you know, this is a talented team. It is a talented team. It, you know, is, is it going to be a 10-year dynasty like the Warriors have been? That's a, that's a real stretch to believe that right now. But But you know darn well that good stuff's ahead. You're absolutely right. So I, I guess I guess the next thing is uh, we got to roll over into what we expect from uh, from the next two games. Teams that go up uh, 2-0 in um, NBA conference first rounds uh, win 93.8% of the time. And uh, now as I say that, I'm going to knock on some wood because I would hate to be of the 180 first round matchups, 12 <laughs> have, have, have lost, and I'm not going to make that 13 for us. But um, so what do you guys expect from the next two games? What do we see here? Uh, is What's the likelihood of the Kings being able to pull one out in San Francisco in the next two games? Well, I think they've got a good chance to, to pull one out. I don't know that it'll be the next one. I think yeah. you've got a, you've got a caged tiger you're going into. These are defending champions. These are, I mean, this is, they have the heart of champions. And I guarantee you, uh, Kings are going to see everything they got 
and, and that in itself is good. Whatever the Warriors have in the tank, you're going to see it. So uh, I, I wouldn't want to bet the farm on this one. But I, I think the fact that it, it they're up against it to that degree, I think, gives the Kings a much better chance of getting the next one. Johnny, what about you? Yeah, game three is going to be insane. I mean, the Warriors are were 33-8 and eight at home on the regular season, so they're a good home team anyways. And then you add all the different factors. Draymond Green is going to – he did not get suspended, so he's going to be uh, on one in that game. The crowd's going to be crazy. Um, that's – yeah, if the Kings can – I don't even want to – if the Kings can beat the Warriors at their house in game three up 2-0 uh, – I, then then I really don't know where the ceiling of this team is. This is going to be as difficult of a game as they'll play all year, um, pretty much at, at any point in the playoffs, I think, trying to beat the defending champs at home. So it's still a series to me, because if you you lose game three, you could lose game four, too, and then you're, you're back home. Thankfully, you have home court advantage. But to me, this series is not over. Uh, I do think the Kings are better. They played better. But I would not be at all surprised if this is a 2-2 series coming back to Sacramento. Um, so I'm glad we recorded today. We could have a good vibes podcast, but I, I don't view this series as, as over yet by any stretch. Yeah, you should be, I could, the Kings should be confident, but, uh, uh, also be a little, be very concerned and be uh, quietly confident. Sure. Um, okay. Before we get to, uh, to, uh, some, some good news from Fox, um, do you guys have any opinions on, uh, Draymond Green? And uh, his uh, his stomping of Demondis Sabonis and that whole situation in game two. You guys want to add anything to the general discourse that we've ho- heard over the last 24 hours about this? Well, the only thing I'd say is that anyone surprised? You know, when it happened? No, no. I mean, that's – I didn't think he'd be suspended. I think he would have been had uh, Sabonis not grabbed his leg. You know, yeah. I, I think that's mm-hmm. the, the difference there. Uh, I think the officials got it right. I, I – you know, you know, I, I think Draymond is bad for the game. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, he's just always pushing things to the edge. Uh, I guess my only thought, one last thought on Draymond, now he's a heck of a player. But I, I just about upchuck every time I hear somebody say he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's <laughs> like, no, when when Clay and Curry were injured a few years ago and he was the guy supposed to lead them and they – what got 18 wins or something or 20 wins. Uh, so that, pick. Yeah, yeah. You know, hall of famers don't do that. True hall of famers. And I mean, not saying maybe he'll get in. So everybody sees it different. He's been a, but cause he's been valuable to them, but Robert Ory has been valuable to uh, uh, several different championship teams. <laughs> and and uh, he, he probably was dirty at times and, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Draymond. He's a good player. Uh, I, I'm just convinced in my own mind that the, the Warriors are just praying he won't take the player option next year. Yeah. Tony, what about you? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to add to this either. I mean, Draymond is who he is. I don't care that he's not suspended. I think at this stage of his career, he's almost as likely to hurt the Warriors as he is to help them. He can be good, obviously, but he can also do shit like he did in game two that I think really kind of hurts the team and swings the momentum back in the Kings favor. So I don't mind that he's not suspended. I will welcome playing Draymond Green any day and nothing he can do is surprising. The one thing I think was, was very funny on Draymond's part 
Um, is he asked for an MRI? Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of have to yeah. get my Captain yeah. Draymond for being like the most ridiculous yeah. person of all time to think he injured well, his ankle on that play. That did make me laugh. So, um, yeah, Draymond did see Well, it's, it's almost as comical that the team agreed to it. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that said something right there. I don't know what it said, but it said something. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, Tony, for putting that out. I forgot about that point, and that is absolutely fantastic. Um, okay, so last bit before we uh, before we get to the wrap-up part of this. Um, De'Aaron Fox today was announced uh, to be the NBA's very first ever uh, Clutch Player of the Year, uh, garnering uh, 91 out of 100 votes. Um, he was uh, first in the NBA in... Um, uh, in, in um, clutch points in uh, 72 field goals made in the fourth 53 percent um, from field goal range uh, uh, 88 paint points he had a usage rate of 43 percent all those are first in the NBA um, he was uh, he scored 547 fourth quarter points which was second to Kyrie Irving um, what do you guys have to say about uh, about Fox being clutch player of the year was there any doubt in your mind at all that he'd be the one that got it I think there's always doubt but but I knew he deserved it you know, I mean, you just never know if the most deserving guy will get it. But, uh, you know, and I think that goes to, you know, with, with Fox. And and I kind of get it. I think a lot of people have problems with he kind of is a, a slow starter. They rest him a lot early, uh, you know. And, and I think, again, I give Coach Brown the props for that because they want him fresh in the fourth, you know, and where he can go take over the offense because they, you know, he's needed to do that. And I've always said that some of the great guards I've uh, grown up and watched, you know, the Oscar Robertsons, the Nate Archibalds, the Jerry West, those kind of guys, they, they did the same thing. I mean, they, they played themselves in the games. And then when they, when you needed them to take over the game, uh, certainly Michael Jordan, the same way, you know, Michael could have had 25 every half, but, uh, a lot of, you know, it was by nature, unless you were just giving him stuff, he'd just soon have 10 or 12 first half and then go get his 20, 25 the second half. And I and I, I think it's a sign of greatness in a sense because uh, he knows he can do it. And Coach Brown knows he can do it. And But you don't want to waste all of your energy. It's, it's probably like a miler. Uh, you know, do you want to go out there and run your fastest quarter in the first one? I don't think you do. <laughs> you, need, you need to have something left for the sprint and uh I, I i just think they're doing everything just right with fox and he's handling it exactly right myself the only thing i guess i'll add here and aki is the one that did this math so if he's wrong blame him don't blame me uh six people didn't vote for fox as clutch player of the year and as a first second or third place uh candidate so shame on them and that's all i'll say shame on them you did not watch enough basketball this year um, if you don't think he's one of the top three, at least. Well, there's just remember, there's guys that didn't vote for Ted Williams for most valuable player of the year. He had four or six either. So, you know, that's what you get. You get guys that don't like certain guys or teams, <laughs> sadly. Jerry, there's about 15 people that understood that reference. Yeah. Yeah, and I understood it too. Yeah. But that means that there's 13 well, other ones out there. It's well, well, somewhere. See, that's the point. <laughs> This is a select site. That's, there you we, go. That's, we we, we that's, want we want sports fans that are knowledgeable thinking sports that, fans. That, she is right. He that you could sell snow to an Eskimo, Jerry. You're you're doing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so we are. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after this commercial break. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from TexLogix. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7, www.sacelect.com. Okay, so I guess it's time now, uh, Tony, to uh, to take us to the Patreon question of the day. All right. Uh, thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or on Patreon, and you can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. We ask one question on the main podcast here, but once a month we record a Patreon-exclusive Q&A where we ask all the leftover questions. So if you ask a question and don't hear it answered now, uh, don't worry, we'll get to it on the Patreon show. This week's question comes from the Purple and Black Pill, and I guess we're going to stay on the topic of Draymond Green for a second. He wants to know, who is the biggest NBA jackass Jerry has ever seen? Draymond, I'm sure, is high in the running, but there have got to be some fascinating answers given how many people have crossed his path in the league. Boy, that's a, that's a tremendous uh, question and a good one. I, I would say uh, it comes to mind, I mean, Bill Lambert, uh, who, who sadly I got to like after the fact, but as a player, what a dick. Uh, you know, cheap shots, uh, cheap shots. Uh, 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 certainly, uh, I think Dennis Rodman was, uh, I mean, a great, he better player probably than, than uh, Draymond for sure. But, but he was so probably the only one guy in the world could coach him at the end of his career was the guy that did. Uh, put up with his stuff and and all, uh, but he, yeah, he was he was out of control most of the time. Uh, yeah, I'd say Draymond certainly belongs, you know, belongs in that list. Uh, I would probably put Patrick Beverly in there. I think he's uh, got a lot of dickness in him. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I I mean, I know there's a lot more, you know, through the years that. Uh, probably just intimidating. I always thought Jeff Ruland years ago was maybe the most intimidating player that I'd seen in a league. And I mean, and he was to say he's a bad buckaroo really gets bad buckaroos. <laughs> I mean, a guy's just scared of him and he knew it and took advantage of it. And, but so, yeah, there's a lot of them. That's a good question though, but I'd say in today's game, I mean, Beverly and uh, Draymond, I think hold their own, uh, and Draymond would be the leader of the pack in the in the modern game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, you know uh, that. So yeah, that's about all I can think of. I'm sure you guys got some guys that belong as well. I'm sure Will has some, but I will just throw Grayson Allen has got to be on that that list for me. Yeah. Uh, will, who you got? Who's your Who's your NBA jackass all first team? Uh, okay, the description was jackass, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Jackass, okay. Yes. So, because I was thinking of like, uh, like I don't know. I was thinking kind of like Ron Artest could have fit that bill, like Indiana Pacers Ron Artest, but he's not. I don't know. If, I mean, mm. I, don't know, I don't know. I like Ron Artest to call him a jackass. He's so likable. Yeah. yeah no. I, yeah. 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 No. I. 
yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I would have put Kevin Garnett up there too if it was like dirty players or like like uh, shit birds run our test. Kevin Garnett are certainly shit birds, but I don't yeah. think that they're. I don't yeah. think they're <laughs> to quote Jerry. Yeah, yeah, big difference. No, I so, agree. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, the two I've got are uh, Rashid Wallace has got to be there. I feel like mm-hmm. he he had a lot of that. I mean, yeah. there's a little shit bird in him too, but he he's a jackass at times. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think you could probably put Demarcus Cousins in there. I mean, again, likable kind uh, of, you know, in some ways, yeah, but. And, and certainly, uh, like I say, off the court in certain situations, he was delightful. But uh, mm-hmm. on the court, in the locker room, places like that, uh, and with, I mean, I know officials who, if they had a probably list of guys. That were well, I know they've said they, you know, at the time he was playing that he they thought he was a most difficult guy to officiate in the league. I've got I've got one more here, and that's uh Latrell Sprewell. Does he count? Is he a jackass? He's pretty close. He choked his coach out. I, I know that was kind yeah, of jackassery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that uh, no, I think I think at the end, near the end of his career, you know, as he got older, he was tougher to deal with, and uh, sure. so. Yeah, that's gonna say probably. Yeah, you go back through the years. I'm sure there's some. Well, I think Alvin Robertson one time got into it with his coach. You know, great player, uh, but uh, was gonna strangle him. But he was subdued. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I I'd say one that's a borderline. Well, this is sure. just is Rudy Gobert. I, I think he's got. Yeah. yeah, you know, Rudy. I think Rudy's got some dickhead yeah. in him. You know, he may not. It may not be fully developed, but I think he's getting there. I like that. I I, I subscribe to that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will. I will third that one as well. Rudy Gobert. Uh, he he's he's got a little bit in him too. Tony, do you have any others? Uh, I, I want to throw Gilbert Arenas in this conversation as well for for yeah. certain reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe other side different reasons. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he may just be psycho, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I think with Gilbert, I think he just needs some serious counseling as much as anything. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay, Jerry. Well, we're... What a fun topic. That is, that's a great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I was going to say probably, you know, I had a week to prepare, but that's a great question. I really hadn't really thought of it that often, but I, no. I think most of the guys we mentioned deserve their mention. In whatever form, and uh, that was from the purple and black pill, uh, Tony. Yes, that that is a uh, that's a, a podcast uh, run by a gentleman named Ty Foster, who's a, absolutely fantastic at his job, uh, and I I fully subscribe to. If anyone hasn't listened to uh, the purple and black pill, uh, they're a wonderful Kings podcast. They're incredibly funny. Uh, uh, you know, they they do a fantastic job. Uh, uh, I I don't endorse very many. Uh, other podcasts especially ones that are in our wheelhouse but those guys crack me up more than just about any other king's podcast the the purple and black is that what you said what yes yeah okay purple and black pill and and i want to be sure now if you want to have a good time old-fashioned three why do you the phantom you know you won't get much knowledge but we won't harm you (laughs) we won't harm you Jerry, your your any podcast you're on is an automatic endorsement for me. <laughs> well, thanks, we should 100%. we we should do it more often. But if you're on a podcast, I'm listening. I promise. Okay, so let's go to uh, let's go to the Reynolds wrap up for the day. Jerry, uh, what do you got for us? Well, I just think uh, just talking about playoff basketball in general. I, I you know 
certainly the play in, I was one of those guys that was against it. You know, the old curmudgeon, get off my yard, don't do that. Damn, I like it. It, uh, you know, it creates a lot of excitement, you know, one and done kind of stuff. It's, it's hard to beat, you know, I, and, and that's kind of why I think these best of seven series in the first round, this should be cut to best of three. I really would people say, well, there'd be a lot more upsets. And I say, yes, that's exactly right. That's what the league needs early rounds. Uh, and it, and it put, makes the, the championship round best of seven more valuable. You know, I mean, it's like it like it should be, not the same. And you know, it should be best of three, best of five until you get to the championship. But but I, I like the play in, you know, the pressure. I think it adds fans, it keeps people involved, takes less, you know, keeps the tankers to a minimum, the Will Griffins of the world to tanker teams <laughs> to a minimum. <laughs> and so so that's probably all a good thing so anyway yeah it's uh but just these early matchups you know obviously the king's warriors are terrific they're, they're by the way getting by far the best ratings i always check tv ratings uh you know and god i just hate the lakers and they're and they're damn good now it's just scary you know the the knicks and Cavs series is going to be a blast uh, that's for sure. And so, and then Phoenix and, uh, the clips, I think that's going to be a real deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, quite, and kind of one last thought is right now, the best player in the world is Kawhi Leonard. I mean, today, yeah. today, I mean, he may not play, you know, I don't know, but when he's healthy and playing at his best, there's nobody better than that guy. And yeah. that's why the Clippers are, you know, they're dangerous and, and they and and they can win with Westbrook even going two for nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun game. It was, was a fun, a fun game. game. And Westbrook, I mean, oh, he's like, you know, that's the thing I lo love about him. He's like some of our guys. He just plays every play. Yeah. I mean, you you can, you know, and I mean he's a terrible shooter and he won't he doesn't seem to understand that, but he is a hell of a baller. He is a he is a real baller, and I admire the heck out of that. I saw somebody online, Jerry, say that was the best three for nineteen performance in NBA history, and <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I haven't I, seen I many. Mean, no, it had to be I, up there. That was an absolutely true statement. I mean, that's hard to believe, but it they wouldn't have won without him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, for everyone here at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Uh, it's 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 so much fun to be able to talk about a good basketball team, but it's even better to talk about a playoff team. Um, to Tony and Jerry bring it every single time I get to talk to them. It makes a wonderful difference that you guys get to be here listening to us. You guys keep the lights on. You guys keep food on the proverbial table, and um, we're going to uh, we're going to be back next week uh, previewing the uh, or, or or recapping the second two games of the series. So uh, you're going to get a little extra. Uh, content from us until the uh until the kings decide to uh to bow out so somewhere around june when they win the championship that's when me and jerry and tony will take a little bit of a break but until then yeah we're gonna be recapping these games every week to try to get you guys uh some extra coverage from all of us here at the king's herald so uh thanks again for listening uh and uh we will see you next week after the next two games in the series <laughs>